Welcome to the RC Podcast Aussie Style, where co-hosts Aaron Bones Carl, Tyson Dodd, and Daniel Wheeler bring you the latest news, event reviews, and good old-fashioned yarns from down under. With their unique perspectives and a touch of Aussie humor, you're guaranteed to be entertained and informed. Whether you're an Aussie local or just a fan of the culture, this podcast has something for everyone. So grab a cold one and join the trio as they navigate the exciting world of RC Aussie style. Welcome everyone to our second podcast of... uh... RC Podcast Aussie style. We do need to apologise about it being a little late. We were hoping to do this every two weeks, but with a few events and some people jet-setting, it has taken a little bit longer than uh, we anticipated. So that being said, welcome, gentlemen. So we've got Bones and Ty. G'day, lads. How are we, guys? Yeah, pretty oh, good. Good, mate. Yourself? Always good, you know that, mate. Too busy sipping Happy a drink days. already. He hasn't even started yet. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing we've got to kick off with is the last event, well, the first event we went to, what was uh, the Masters in Barossa Valley. So Tyson, you drove down to the event. you done done... Uh, the big haul for pretty much everyone in Queensland yeah. taking their planes down. I, I certainly drew the bloody shorts, shorts draw, didn't I? I think it's about 5,000 K <laughs> round trip or something. <laughs> I was going to say, how was your arse in the uh, truck rip, going all that way? Oh, I tell you what, Aussie roads have something to, to left to be desired, hey. I, I don't think we've got enough resources or people to fix our roads. Yeah. I fed work. My club. Oh Jesus! But no, it was all right. I had I had Dodzy mate. She was she was beside me for the for the whole trip. I think we we broke it up. We sort of did it in three days each way. Um, but no, it was good. It was good to see a bit bit more of Australia. I haven't done that trip for a couple of years, so um, it just reminds you how bloody big Australia is, especially when you talk to some of our overseas era modelling friends, and um, you know they talk about. Driving across their country in an hour, it, um, it certainly puts it in perspective to how big Aussie land is. Um, you know, when you, you jump in a truck or your car and, and we tow our tow our trailers to an event, 5,000 Ks. Yeah. So you arrived and then uh, Bones flew down and then I flew down and Bones picked me up at the airport and I had Mac with me. Yep. And... Uh, what a weekend. So what were your highlights for the weekend, Ty, apart from winning sportsman for the oh, second time? Oh, don't start that. Yeah, that's another <laughs> story. That, that's, a, that's a story for when I drop out, remember? Um, <laughs> the internet goes to shit. Um, I think it was – my highlight was to actually sit back and, and probably not have any involvement in you and Mac – going through the the tournament that was pretty much your first tournament together where you'd both both been working together for for all flights all preparation all setup um probably the only downside i think for you guys was that you sort of flew in and then we got stuck into the competition a couple of days of practice or at um at barossa probably would have been been beneficial 
But um, yeah, it was good to, good just to sit back and watch you guys, you know, mesh together. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sitting back and watching Bones bloody fly like a a one-legged man. <laughs> should, should how, make you well, do that. The question is fly how, with one one we, foot and one one hand. When that's that's how we can tie him down, make him slow up and not beat us all. He's so, got to so fly, fly with one hand and one foot. Yeah, let me just go and practice my Pilates, and you know, go and do some gymnastics, and yeah, sure, why not? Hold my Bundy. <laughs> exactly. No, I'd, ha- I'd have to agree with uh, Tyson there. There was certainly some good highlights, and it was good sitting back watching, obviously, yourself, Dan, calling for, for Mac. And and for me, obviously, the last year and a bit, I've been there calling for Mac and, and doing the whole nurturing, remembering that Mac's still only 12 years of age, nurturing him through the process of aerobatics and, and the way to do it. And now I'm, I'm stepping back, and I'm not just... Still, obviously, doing what I can for Mac, but obviously helping you as the caller because, as we spoke about in the in the last episode, that it's the the caller is so important as a pilot to be able to have that relationship to gel together and and understand how each other works for you know the the end goal of of having a successful flight. I think. Um, yeah, and you're right there. Yeah. One big thing just on that was that Barossa was, um, you know, F, F3A call off a written sheet where iMac used an Arresti and you were like, come, we're going to use the Arresti. And it came that Mac had to do the option a couple of times. And because I had the Arresti and, and me and you had sat there and written directions after we got it wrong <laughs> um, down, we, we started nailing it. And that side for me has taught me heaps taught me not only our relationship with the pilot but also how valuable you are as a caller you know calling center counting down for center you know i called for russell edwards at one of his rounds and he got the highest score he's ever got in a competition <laughs> so that's the end of the call of course and i think yeah i think even touching on the um on the caller side of things it was so as you guys all know that Bree's my caller and she's amazing at, at what she does. A lot of people have sat back and actually listened to her call and, and the, the level of detail in her calling. So this year, it was a, well, this comp was a bit of a, a, a different one because as you were there with us, Dan, we, um, before the competition, we, we, we'd been with the F3A, we've got to call our centre. And the problem is Bree is so short, she can't see the centre mark above my head. So we went down to the local uh, Maida 10 in Nuri Uppa. I, I think I pronounced that right. It was, the, the, all the locals there talking about how to pronounce it correctly. And um, so we're going down and got out the little plastic step stool. And going out to the field and everyone's obviously looking at what the hell's going on here. Righto then. And it was um, it was actually quite interesting. So she's she's been able to get up there and, and stand, and she can see the centre marks. But something that of of now fifteen years of flying aerobatics, both IMAC and F three A, I'm always been about the whole standing in a position, holding your shoulders straight, flying a straight line. And it was the first time with that step stool, she's been up above and looking down. And what's happening is 
although I'm saying, you know, I'm going to hold my body straight and I, and I believe I always have done it. The, um, with on the step tool, she's noticed that down the, my right hand side, every time I turn to the right, I'm slightly turning my body to the right. And no one in 15 years, no one's ever picked up on that until now where she can actually see up and she's looking down and she's going, Hey, you're turning your body. So throughout the sequence, she's there pur- purposely pushing on my right hand shoulder to sh- straighten up my body. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. Just the, uh, the difference, you know, a caller can make and trying out new things. And when I was sitting there reviewing your flights, when you were flying them, I saw her do that a few times as well. Mm. So it was quite interesting. Yeah. And what was your highlight, Dan, of the F3A event down in, uh, in Barossa? My highlight is something different to all of it. So I arrived on, what did I arrive on, a Thursday night? Yeah. So I arrived on a Thursday night, Bones picks me up from the airport and he goes, I've got a surprise for you. So he went to <laughs> model flight during the day and he's picked up these little indoor aeroplanes, a Mustang, a Spitfire and a 109. So the next night, the competition's done and he pulled them out. Oh, sorry, the practice day was done and he pulled them out and we're flying around the pits. Ty was flying, the Spitfire struggling. Um... I thought it was mode two for a while. So he's flying. I'm going, oh, give us a go. And he gives it to me as I was mode one. So I had to quickly get that back. But um, just flying them around after hours with the boys, you know, j- just your mates having a laugh. For me, that that was the highlight. You know, I good memories of calling for Mac, you know, great memories of you going well, Ty, and, and Aaron watching you fly the best I've seen you fly um, out of the whole time I've known you. But um, that was the highlight, you know, us after hours sitting around, just just mates flying around having a laugh. Yeah, indeed. Definitely. That was, that was gold. So that was good. Um, on the flying side, my highlight would, would have to be, apart from Mac, would probably be the way you approached the competition bones was something I haven't seen ever um not only by you but by anyone you know you approached it like it was the world um even to me putting the plane down the way you flew um that that was a big highlight but also the way tyson approached it and flew even though it was only sportsmen there was still that pressure of you know delivering and and not zeroing stuff and it was the best i've seen tyson fly so it was a great weekend for the boys Still managed yeah, to flop a couple of stalls, but um... <laughs> oh look, I, will, I will actually wasn't going to bring that up till you dropped out. <laughs> well, 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 why not? Max been giving me ribbing me about it for the last two weeks. Little shit. But that's what your son's supposed to so do. So we, yeah. yeah, yeah, we know what you do with Davo. Yeah, of course, exactly. <laughs> so it, look, it was a great event. It really was. Um, Great people, great event. It was good to see everyone. Good to see the juniors out. Um, good to see the team out flying. Probably got to call, it was got fantastic. To, got to put a call out to Stewie and the club too. Like that runway. Like I, I ditched the thongs and was just busting around with with no shoes on and rubbing my feet into that turf. It was it was like a bowling green all weekend. 
um, yeah, probably probably the best best grass runway I've ever flown on. Mm-hmm. I've only ever flown on one better, and that's uh, Pit Town because oh, that's yeah. actually like a turf. Yeah, that's a turf farm. Turf farm. It's, um, but yeah, you're right. Apart from a turf farm, it is fantastic. Fantastic grass. I think another one of the highlights for me was obviously it was great to see the support of the the Kiwis coming over with um with Worms, uh, Hamish Galloway and his two boys, Sean and Cormac. Um, those boys it, it, and and touching on that there is the juniors. I think that was a bit of a record for a while now, where there was four pilots under the age of you know obviously being juniors. They're competing in it. We had Sean, who's the New Zealand uh, representative at the next F3A Worlds, and I think Sean's now 14 or 15, and I was just, uh, from where I saw him four years ago, he's just jumped up that another level. Um, and obviously, it was good seeing Mac there. Matt, for Mac, obviously, there was first time flying against um, other juniors, so there was a whole other level of dynamics there of, of what he was experiencing. Um, and then we have young Cormac who was there flying in sportsman. What an absolute character. I don't think there was one person <laughs> that every, everyone there had a smile on their face, just talking to this young man. And he was absolutely brilliant. And then I think finally, as I mentioned on the, the first episode from a, an event that I attended in Victoria was young Seth Huntingford from Victoria. Um, Again, another young gun that's going to be coming up through the ranks really quickly. Um, I remember I was on the, the that the last interview. I said that watching him do the slow rolls were amazing, and I was in the judges' chair with Peter Panisi and John Tonks. Actually, no, it wasn't Pete. It was it was um, Shane Lysart and John Tonks, and he's come along and done this slow roll, and we've all looked at each other and gone. You are kidding me. Like, I'm pretty sure, I could be wrong, but I think it was like, it was a couple of nines and a 10, or, you know, there was certainly some tens in that slow roll. was just flawless. So, anyway, yeah, the juniors, it was great to see such a, a strong turnout from the juniors, being especially the, the future of, of not just era modelling and F3A. The thing I liked about Cormac is, is this kid, he let, well, he got his old man to land, but he, he was buzzing. He just loved it. It was it was the adventure of going overseas. It was the adventure of meeting new people. And th- this kid just had fun. And it was, it was great to see. Yeah, yep. the whole weekend. Yep. So after that weekend, we all... Came back. Tyson done the big drive back. Me and Bones and Mac and Brie all flew home. Walking through the airport. So here's a story for you. So <laughs> here we go. I'm in the car ride to uh, to the airport. I was knackered. I'm so tired. I'm trying to have a sleep. Bones is trying to talk to me. Right, I'm awake. I'm talking. <laughs> we get there. He goes. You guys got to jump in and have a flight because we had to leave at four o'clock to get there an hour before our flight. So we done all that. Bones actually actually was a bit cheeky and got a photo taken 
with the trophy before his last <laughs> flight. So, I'm like, mate, you haven't jinxed yourself here, have you? Well, that, so we're into him a little it bit. It was actually before either F flight. Yeah. yeah. So I, I full it was like, well, <laughs> I'll see how bad I will jinx myself. So he goes, takes the rental car back. Me and Mac wander across, check into the flight, do all that kind of stuff. And then um, we're going through security. And then next thing, Bones and Bree show up. And then Aaron turns around and goes, hey, I'm flying business class. Staff travel. I only got thongs on. Yeah, staff travel. I'm meant to have proper shoes on. (laughs) So next thing, him and Mac are swapping shoes. Mac feels like he's Ronald McDonald with these thongs in um, and Bones is just walking around the airport on cloud nine with the Masters trophy, and and not just in the box because we saw old love some some old lady was walking around with some trophy. I'm like, well, my trophy is bigger than yours. <laughs> Pulled the trophy out the box, start walking around with the trophy. <laughs> so that, that looked that was a bit of fun. So after after the weekend, we all got back home. And then, uh, Ty, you went to an event after. Where'd you go, Big? Oh, Mark? the kid. Yeah, the kids and I busted up to um, to Coolum the following weekend, and um, they they're having a Queensland Turbine Flyers Jet Weekend. So we uh, we just went up for the day. Um, didn't didn't feel like hooking the truck and the caravan up again for another another road trip. So we just um, yeah we we got up there early and. I don't know, had six or seven flights with the with the Jet Boys up there, and Coolum Club's pretty cool. Um, you know, it's one of those clubs you can fly to seventy degrees around yourself. Uh, yeah, the weather weather was good. All the lads were were into it and burning Jet A one. Um, you wouldn't have known yourself having uh, oh, come from mate. an F three A event oh. and and having six flights over three days to rolling up to a jet event and having six, six flights in six one day. Six flights in like four, worn out four, that four, night four and a half what? hours. I know, right? I didn't fall asleep in the yeah. in the pits. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, it. Um, but it was a good turnout. It was. Yeah, there was a there was a good crew there on the Saturday. Um, I couldn't get up there Sunday. I had to had to sort of spend some time at home after the big trip, but. Um, yeah, there's a good range of models up there, actually. Um, I pulled out the... Um, I've got a, a GMO, what's called. It's a, a K45-powered turbine glider, and the, the turbine's actually on the inside of the fuse. And it's got um, the jet exhaust that comes out sort of underneath behind the um, trailing edge of the, the wings. And I hadn't flown it in nearly a year. And, um, yeah, fell back in love with that. Um, that was... That was really, really good to get up there and just blow the cobwebs out of it. It's one of those sort of, sort of planes that, or plane glider. Let's call it a glider. It's more like a dynamic glider. You fly it pretty hard. Um, it's got a, I think the the wing spar on it is nearly a kilo. It's solid stain, uh, solid solid sprung steel. The whole model itself only weighs like six kilos, <laughs> and the wing. The wing spar, or the wing tube itself, is like, you know, a sixth of the entire weight. But um, yeah, it um, it launches off a dolly, so it's just got a, a dolly, so you don't burn yourself on launch. And you just roll along, and it pretty much takes off a bit a bit over over walking speed. Um, gets up, That's all yeah, right. it gets up on the plane pretty quick. And you can turn it hard and um, you know, fully aerobatic. 
So John Carney, who's the president of QTF, he was up there with, and he had um, his GMO there as well. So that was the first time we had two of them in the air at the, at the same time, sort of chasing each other around. But they get up and boogie, like they'll they'll do close to close to 300 mile an hour when you're getting into it. Um, wow. Yeah, pretty pretty slick machine. So what, what was the highlight of the event? Um. Probably seeing that turbine crew. I haven't, I haven't flown with any of those lads since Casino last year. So what was that? July oh, last really? year. That's a long time. Isn't, isn't it? Was July last year that we went? We all had a went down a Casino for the Jet Weekend. I think. Um, yeah, I think. Yes, it was, yeah. August wasn't it? Yeah, that was a that was a that's right. That was a weekend after we did um, Inglewood. Yep, I think. Yeah, and you con me into going down and becoming a jet jockey. Exactly, you and Bailey. And I hit the pinnacle of my flying Oh, here we yeah. go. Yeah, you joined the pinnacle of aeromodelling. Yeah, yeah, we yeah we pulled it back to back again and and went down there. So yeah, it was good to catch up with those guys and um you know sat down with John John Carney and and Dave Martin um and and Shane they run QTF and just just go through some things with them to help them help them out. There's a couple of events they want to get off the ground later this year and. Um, yeah, they're doing a they're doing a good job. They're getting tired pretty quick because it seems as though every time they turn around, they're finding it harder and harder to, to go and fly in locations. So, um, yeah, they're doing the hard work. It's it's just all, all up to the jet guys coming out and getting together and supporting the event, I suppose, um, wherever it is and whenever it is. Oh. So they have finding it hard to get some locations now. Yeah, they've got a couple locked in for, for the rest of the year. Um, but yeah, what what happens over the next couple of years with sort of their big events? So QTF has um, ever since we started it has had a marquee event. So by marquee, sort of like a major event each year, um, where they hold it at an airport. So I think the first one we did was Maribara. Oh shit, that would have been back in like two thousand and let's say fourteen. Um, when we started that with Yarn and Colin, and then we flew there for quite a bit, and then we moved out to Gundawindi. We did a couple of years out at Gundawindi off the the main airport out there, and then to Casino. I think we did three years at Casino, possibly, and um, and yeah, and this year I think they're working on going back to Maribor Airport again. Otherwise, um. And might look at Gundawindi Airport, um, but yeah, oh, I'll good. see. It'll be interesting to see what they go with and and, and where the turbine guys decide they want to want to go and have a, a weekend of burning Jet Eight One. Yep. So I guess we we need to take you into consideration now, Dan. You you're a jet jockey. We popped your cherry at Casino last year. You and Bailey. Yeah, and then I uh, I even backed it up at Inglewood right. at the Christmas party. Yeah. Yeah, and I got signed off and went solo. Exactly on your Avani, that's right. Yeah. What you, what, what was the biggest so, lesson um, you learned about your first time flying a jet when you're landing? What don't you let go of, Dan? Oh, look, it's not about this, Tyson. <laughs> <Let's> <laughs> no, just, no, uh, no, no. No, you did well. No, you I did don't... well, dude. You don't let go of that elevator. <laughs> you nearly went to let go of the elevator stick. <laughs> I did. You, okay, you, held, you don't you let go of the elevator stick. You held it. You held it, and you're all um, good. You do. You do hold it on. Yeah. Look, I learn. I have learned a lot from um, flying jets. People think they don't do, you know, much, and they just circuits and high speed passes. 
but um, which I pretty no, much do. It's it's fun. It's a different it's a different thrill. Yeah, oh, unless you're Aaron, you hover them. But um, <laughs> no, exactly. it's definitely different. Definitely a lot different to what I expected. So uh, after Coolum, we had the uh, the Wonder Boy back on his uh, airplane <laughs> off traveling again. You went down to Vic again. Do you want to fill us in on that one? Oh, oh yeah. So I uh, ended up heading down to uh, Victoria and um, uh, for the uh, Wings Over Wangaratta IMAC up in um, beautiful Wangaratta, Victoria. Uh, before I get got there, though, I, um, I flew down a little bit early just to uh, um, go and see oh, some family there and do a few bits and pieces. And when I was down there, I had a, uh, a call from... A mate of ours, uh, Richard Wiggins, and he says, "Oh, you know, you need to come and coming out and, and check out my place and just come and say hello." I'm like, "Yeah, why not?" So, went for a drive down, and he was down, I think, um, some sort of peninsula. I don't know Victoria very well, and went down there and hung out there for a few hours and had a bit of a chat, and and um, and it was uh, it was good. I got to check out his uh, his new. F eighty six saber that he built from I've forgotten the name of the kit. Uh, Mer, is it Merce RC? I think it's Merce RC. Um, look, yeah, I'm not going to Merce models. Merce models, yeah. So I'm not going to go into too much detail um, about it. However, he started this model eight weeks ago. Now this is a kit, not just a pull out of the box. Let's start putting in some gear and go. It was, he built this thing from a box of sticks, glassed it, detailed it with all the rivets, panel lines, built a full scratch-built cockpit, the whole lot in eight weeks. And this isn't just a small model. The, the fuse on it's about 2.9 metres, about 3-metre wingspan. So it's a decent-sized model. And I, I, I was just blown away by it because Richard's gotten into, into error modelling very quickly and he, he's really just the sort of guy he just lives and breathes it and just soaked all this up. And I, I had to shake his hand. I said, mate, for your first ever scratch-built model and the level of detail that he did and the quality of the build, I, was, I thought was brilliant, was just amazing. So anyway, I know that he'll uh, – I think he's planning on test flying in the next few weeks – and there'll be some photos come out. Really cool scheme. Not going to exactly, not going to say what it is because I don't want to ruin the surprise. But it is definitely unique, and I'm sure a lot of people will uh, go, "Wow, that's pretty cool." Um, so from there, that was on the Thursday, Friday. Made me way on up to Wangaratta. I was uh, stayed Thursday night at a mate of mine, Jonathan Greaves' place in uh, Essendon. And the next morning, I left him the rental car, and I jumped in his car with the trailer on the back and drove up to Wangaratta with the iMac model in the back. So we had the Compath 3-metre Sukhoi with the DA200 in it and headed on up there and got there. Um, again, another beautiful uh, location up there. The, um, the Wangaratta Club's just located out the back of one of the cattle yards there. So they've it's it's out in the middle of a cattle paddock. However, the runway and the the pits and everything and the um, the uh, what's the word 
the canteen, that sort of set, the clubhouse, that was all properly surrounded by electric wire fence and none of the cattle come in. So then when they go to fire, they just drop the wire fence and go from there. They ended up having about 31 entries over the course of the weekend, um, two days. There was, I think, four or five flights all up amongst everyone. And again, just another brilliant competition. Everyone thoroughly enjoyed themselves. The the IMAC down in Victoria for many years, uh, it was pretty dead through the um, through th- from around about 2012 through to 2016, 2017. And Michael Andrastic, the current ASAA president, uh, took it on board because he was being a Victorian, and he was able to turn it around from a state where Victoria was dead for many many years to now being the most successful state of IMAC here in Australia. Um, and so you've got to give the, the, the chap credit there. And there's no, um, you know, we, not not necessarily that something overly positive, but we all see it through era modelling that you, you go to some events and there's the clicky little groups and, and don't take me this the wrong way. Um, because obviously everyone has their little friend groups and that's understandable. Um, but down there, it was like everyone was just as one. There was no little clicky little groups. It was it's brilliant down there. So, so again, to to Michael and Drastic for the the group that he has going down there is brilliant. Um, flying in the competition, I ended up doing uh, not too bad. Taking out Unlimited, I was flying against Michael. He's moved up to Unlimited at the start of the year, which was pretty good. Um, I think, again, like the Masters, they had many juniors there. I believe they ended up having about four or five juniors around about that 16, 17 years of age. Um, and the quality from those guys is, again, just brilliant. The, these guys are the future of era modelling, and it's important that we all just nurture and encourage these guys to keep on pursuing with it. Um, one of the highlights would be from the event... Um, Bit of a hard one there. Oh, got to give it to. Uh, so the contest director, John York, he's, um, he, again, he's been doing it for a few years now. Absolutely brilliant. Put, puts on a great show there. His wife, Rachel, does um, whole catering for the event. So Friday night, arranged pizzas for everyone. Beforehand, did a couple of big tables full of the nibblies, the chips, the dips, the cheeses and everything. On the Saturday night, did a full big massive roast beef and roast chicken and the um, potato bacon, everything. And they're the sort of things that really bring everyone together because no one's off doing their own little thing and everyone's there as one in, enjoying it together. Um, so that, that to me was a certain definite highlight. I um, also got to uh, spend a little bit more time with the young guy, Riley Sills from the Northern Flying Group. Riley's 23. Last year, he had the opportunity to go to the Tucson Aerobatic Shootout and fly in the advanced class, which he placed fourth. Um, brilliant results from him, and he's starting to... He, he's really knocking on the door of Unlimited now. He's he's done advanced for a little over a year now, and his, his quality of flying, and as we've... We see a little bit through F3A, there's having the ability to be able to fly the sequence, but then there's having that next level of ability to be able to have the little bit of finesse and presentation in 
how the, the, the sequence goes. And he, I, I personally think that he is um, the next up-and-coming star in the IMAX scene for, for really just taking it to that next level. He is an absolute gun of a pilot, not just in the precision side, but also the the era, the the freestyle, the three D, again, just brilliant. So that was another highlight for me, getting the opportunity to sit there and and watch him fly. So yeah, that was pretty much about really it good. for Wangaratta. You're right about about the precision, and then you have a finesse that that does. Um... Make pilots stand out when you've got the precision, but then you've got a little bit of finesse in there as well. That that makes you stand out from the other pilots. Yeah, without a doubt. So other than that, we uh, we what's, do have what's, what's our, what's our, our next gig? What's our next road trip though? Oh, our next road trip. Ooh. We have two road trips coming up. <laughs> Well, one, one road trip for me down to uh, the Gold Coast area was uh, Tingalpa for the first scale comp in Queensland. That's the one. Yep. Now, something you touched on before, Bones, about someone who's running a comp and and um, it's it's hard and, and all that, and Michael Andresic building up iMac in Victoria. From starting... Uh, scale in Queensland, I understand how hard that journey would have been for him um, and how dedicated it is. So putting the first competition together for Tingalpa, learnt a lot, got a lot wrong, um, but I really do have to thank Will Sidma and the rest of the committee for bearing with me um, to be able to learn and get get the process wrong. Um, you know, haven't got it out to members probably the best we could but um it's all learning like me and will chatted today about it and it was um you know this this event's a bit clunky and lead up to it but the next one at toowoomba will be better maryborough will be even better and by the time we finally get to tin Can bay it'll be uh smooth sailing hopefully so we've got Ting- we've got uh rc scale queensland this weekend the event down at tingalpa two days and then after that, we've got the big one. We have a big road trip that somehow Bones got out of. But anyway. Well, look, some, of, some of us have to fly to Melbourne and, and keep some of our fellow era modelling uh, compatriots company on the journey to Geraldery. That's right, Dan. He'll, he'll wear his bloody flip-flops and get, get pushed out of business class anyway. Hey, hey, I didn't have it on the weekend. <laughs> I was okay. <laughs> Well, maybe, maybe so jewelry. <laughs> well, I could put a pair of socks on as well. That might help to go with them. Possibly. Oh, you got to post photos. <laughs> Indeed. So jewelry for me, it'll be my first time. Um, Tyson went for the first time last year and told me it was an amazing event. He was super excited. So um, Bailey's coming. We're putting. A little glide, a little two-meter prelude together for him to be towed up with. Something you can just fly the guts out of. Um, we've got a guest coming up who's actually lending him another glider. 
what's a motorized one so we can fly the pants out of that because um not naming names this is no blame society but someone hasn't finished off bailey's glider who's building it um yeah so i'm i'm actually pumped for jerildery i think it what is a 14 hour trip in the bus uh more like probably 16. <laughs> It's two hours between friends. Exactly. <laughs> so it, it's it's going to be good. But um, coming up next with us is we we actually have our first guest coming up. He is borderline known as international because he is across the Dutch, but uh, he does reside here. His name is Steve Johnson. That somehow has ended up with the name Honey Butter. He's an F three A pilot. And uh, his biggest claim to fame is he taught Fraser Briggs how to do F3 or fly, but he'll uh, he'll get into that, obviously. So I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Honey Butter, Steve Johnson. Hey, guys. <clears throat> now, I think we'll just kick off by saying there's a lot of urban legends around. I may have called for Fraser once. I'm not sure whether I taught him to become... TOC champion, but uh, you know, <laughs> I guess it's a bit the you know the same hey, as look. the Scream theory or any of those horror movies. You know, don't so, let the truth know, get there, in the way. Good, good story is our motto. <clears throat> honey butter, honey butter. You know where that name came from, and and I'm kind of associated with Tom Cruise, so it kind of you know, I'm not too worried about that. that that's a nice association. That's uh. That was Top Gun 2 comes out, and so the James Corden show is talking about uh, you know going for a fly with Tom Cruise, and he has and he has his call signs Maverick, and Corden's call sign is Honey Butter, and uh, I'm doing I'm flying Mark Who, um, you know the VLV man. I'm flying his anthem one day and doing some slow rolls down the strip, and uh, he videos me and puts it on on Facebook and says here's Honey Butter, smooth as Honey Butter, so. That stuck, and and I guess you know, like you got to take a name at some stage, and that's probably not too bad. So I'll stick with it. And Aaron, so you you went to New Zealand. You took the family, you took the kids, the wife, and everything, and you tried out for the uh, New Zealand F three A team. Yeah. But you also yep. went across and done the New Zealand Nationals. Do you want to let us know how that all went for you? Yeah, sure. Like, uh, I you know, like preparing, I, I just made a few notes for tonight and I was looking back and I was thinking, when was the last Nats I went to in New Zealand? And that was in 1998. So 1998 was just before I kind of stepped away and like as most aeromodelers or pattern flyers have a break at some stage in their life, you know, and um, it was just before that. So that was the 50th Nationals in New Zealand. That was one of those milestone Nats that the, you know, the country has. And then interestingly, like when I went back just recently, that was the 75th net, so it was a 25-year break. So I kind of hit two milestones, one after the other. And um, that was, it was really good. You know, like I, I remember as a kid when I first got introduced to aeromodeling and we'd go away with the family, probably one of my kind of like, I guess, fondest memories of a, of a child is going to the Nationals with the, with the family and packing the car and driving well, this was New Zealand, I suppose. So the full length of the country, which is probably an eight or 10 hour drive. So not much probably in Australian um, terms, but 
we drove down there and and uh, you know my first naps i this this was in 1982 or 1983 i i didn't fly rc at all i flew you know like tow line glider and an aggregate free flight and, and hand launch glider you know so that was just that was the that first into, that, that was sorry to jump in steve just to put that in perspective yeah. i was only probably two mate but anyway jog on <laughs> Yeah, I know. <clears throat> Some of us, you know, have been around longer than others. <laughs> but, you know, like, so so it, it was kind of cool, you know, like the Nats back then was, was going to look at all the different all the different classes and control line or scale or free flood or indoor or microfilm or RC scale pylon, all these different things. And so to be able to go back and, you know, like, honestly, like all these years later, I still knew some of the people that I'd, that I'd known as a kid. So that was kind of cool, you know, and, um, and, and Australia has moved on you know a while back from that and we've got individual sort of special interest groups holding their their different competitions at different times of the year but it is nice the way they still really push hard and work really really hard to still hold a nationals which has all of the different disciplines together and you can kind of share um you can share in all their their experiences at the time as well and, and just kind of i guess appreciate era modeling for what it is so that, that that was kind of that was kind of cool so i caught up with some people um New Zealand weather never did, didn't, didn't disappoint. It's always windy. New Zealand Nationals is held at the bottom of the North Island, right? So this is a place called Carterton or Clareville. And it's not far from Wellington. Wellington's the capital. It's probably like an hour and a bit north. And, um, and, and RC1 is where all the RC flying happens. It's the main sort of a field or the circuit. And um, this year, actually, it was quite interesting. There was a big issue with the cattle. The cattle had destroyed the strip. So Hamish Galloway, who's one of our kind of joint friends and the boys mentioned earlier, was driving back and forth from his house for, for weeks before just getting the strip sorted. And he hired this giant, enormous, like, road roller that, <clears throat> well, he didn't hire it. He borrowed it from another farmer. He spoke Kalkaki, you know, like they, all the farmers speak their own language. And he went and spoke Kalkaki and he, and he borrowed this enormous bloody big roller that they build roads with and he rolled the strip with it for days, days and days and days and got it as smooth as he could so we could fly. So it was fantastic. But you know, the wind there, it's always windy. It was like like 40 k's an hour at some times, but <clears throat> thank God for me, it was straight down the strip. I don't want a 40 k an hour crosswind, but it was good, you know, so we, we flew. <laughs> we flew in this enormous crosswind and um, I guess first class, I, I kind of went over there and I thought, well, you know what, I'm going to the Nats, I'm going to enter as many RC classes as I could. So I flew in classic for the first time. I never flown classic, except for when I was like younger. See, my RC skills actually like reached from when classic was actually not classic, it was like normal, to now. <laughs> <laughs> That's how old I am, you know. Classic's actually, what I used to consider normal has become normal. classic. You know, so... <clears throat> Which is sad. I I I flew Patton before Patton had turnarounds, you know. So you know that that's that's something to say. But anyway, look, I flew classic and Fraser, who everyone knows, Fraser Bogan. He um he said, look, classic will have dress up. We're going to dress up as the seventies. We're going to fly as though it's the seventies. So everyone came along dressed up, and and it was fantastic. Had a great time, and you know, like they they churned through classic so quickly it only took less than two hours there was probably 10 or 12 competitors a couple of flights each two flight lines almost self-managed i was really really impressed but the thing that impressed me the most about the classic was that the sportsman guys and the f3a guys both flew and the advanced guys and the expert etc all flew the same pattern and this pattern the sportsman pattern is sorry i say the classic pattern's not 
super i wouldn't say like you know beginner level like sportsman is it's tricky it's got square eight it's got a triangle loop it's got a few things like that in it but the sportsman guys are flying at the f3 everyone's together all flying the same class and um and with the older models and all doing 200 miles an hour and enormous maneuvers just specking the distance and low and laughs and fun and it really just reminded me of the kind of what it's all about you know the the fun we can have it's not too serious and um it's kind of like this bridging class where you know the younger guys or the less experienced guys can learn a bit more complex maneuvers and get some experience and share some time with the top guys so that was great you know like i i, I that was probably my highlight of the nats that that one um that that one class that you know that night so <clears throat> and then um leading into so the rumor has it as well you all yeah okay. sorry rumor has it is you also flew imac there mate i did I did. I flew IMAC. Now, to, to my recollection, this is the first time I've flown IMAC. And um, I said to Barnes before I'm going, oh, I like, kind of agreed to fly IMAC. I'm going to fly advanced. And, um, you know, that's probably a problem, you know. <laughs> I may embarrass myself. So anyway, he, he's very kind. And he, we go out and practice. And he, and he says, right, you're going to start with this 170cc model. <laughs> you know, like... I've flown pattern models, I've flown a Hanno 60, and I've flown maybe an electric VLV, and next minute, he starts at this 170cc thing, I'm kind of stepped back, I'm a bit scared of it, honestly, to start with, and um, and, and I fly that a couple of flights, and then and then the next day, or maybe a few days later, like, now you've, you're graduating to the 200, so he starts it up, and the four cylinder starts up, I'm really, like, a bit nervous this time, so, it's, it's, it's like a baptism of fire, but um you know i'm flying i've gone from a thousand feet to two thousand feet and 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 we're doing like you know maneuvers that go to a speck in the distance so it was it was great you know like it really prepared me well and then and then kind of like back to back with that i, I get it to new zealand and then fraser's there and fraser helps me and lends me as a raven and that's a 150 and um I, w I was very i guess very very fortunate to have two super experienced guys help me out so um you know, and I flew and I came second at the Nationals at a field of like, I think it was like about 90 in the field. Uh, <laughs> nah, it wasn't that big, but it was, it was a good experience. <laughs> yeah. So, so where you talk about your, um, your iMac experience, you know, you rolled up and you started with a 170. I got a similar one. So I, my first iMac comp was at Tinkan Bay, for the Tinkan Bay Cup. My model wasn't working. I was going to pull out. Bones rings me two days before. going, no, you're not pulling out. I'm bringing a plane for you. I'm going to come up the day before, and we're going to fly. He pulls out the 200. <laughs> Here yeah. you go, mate. You'll be right. And I, I remember exactly what you're talking about. I was shitting bricks. And then he goes, you've got to do a 90-degree roller. So if anyone who hasn't been at the club, behind the club's a bowls club. And they actually came over and complained after I'd done my roller and bonus landed pieces I made him land. They've got a plane was just flying over the club. We're sitting in the pits and Bones looks at me and goes, Hey mate, you know that was you? I go, No, that that wasn't me, mate. I was over mod of ten, there was another five K down the road. But um I do totally understand what you say about the baptism of fire and how nerve wracking it really is. They are pretty amazing models to fly, though. You know, like, uh, I mean, <clears throat> look, 
like I said, I've flown, I've flown the big Raven that Fraser was kind enough to um, set me up with, and Aaron's Giles, and um, you know, both both were pretty amazing. So, you know, I guess I'm fortunate to kind of probably start at the, the upper end of IMAC. Um, some others may not have done that, but uh, just just jumping back to New Zealand, um, I think you know, like just briefly, the team trial, you know, it was great. It was pretty challenging. Um, wasn't easy, you know. Like there's there's lots of you know, like I guess anywhere you go these days, like getting on any team is super difficult. So um, that was, I was just fortunate, lucky enough to scrape through in New Zealand. But you know, the one thing that I wanted to sort of touch on was um, Andrew Palmer in New Zealand has been working on for a while now a model, um, you know, G GPS on autonomous flight, and. He, uh, he he demonstrated with a couple of schedules in New Zealand, the scale schedule and the sportsman schedule, the model, and it was super windy too. It wasn't it wasn't calm like I said before. It was like 30, 40 k's an hour, and he flew this model, um, took off, flicked the switch, put the transmitter on the ground, and it flew the, through the schedule by itself. And in the wind, stall turn perfect. You know, went through all the manoeuvres. So pretty impressive. You know, like what the future holds. I guess from from that perspective, what um, flight coach and I guess derivatives of flight coach might bring us all in terms of you know, training aids or whatever. Look, it would have been impressive, but yep. deep down I would have been over for a glitch. I'm going to be honest. I want to see the drive-in. <laughs> Look, you know, so, I, I guess he's the one that put, it, he, he put his galactic up there. It's not, you know, yeah. <laughs> not any old plane. So you're representing New Zealand at the 23 World Champs. So you have also represented New Zealand at the 91 World Champs. I have so a long time what ago. What do you reckon would have changed between them kind of events? Um, I'm a lot older than I used to be. I think that's the first thing. <clears throat> I, was, I think I was 21 when I represented New Zealand back then. So it's probably like, yeah, very, 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 very young and I guess impressionable, but um, models are different. Obviously, that's the that's the obvious one. You know, we were flying 60 Hanos back there and eking out every RPM you could get and and uh, and, and they were small, the models. And now I come back, you know, after my big long sort of hiatus away from it and I come back, then you've got these models which are much bigger and, you know, like we used to worry about, power and we used to worry about weight and now power and weight no longer are an issue that 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 problem's gone as, as far as i can see so um and, you know, jump, and jump for in our audience want, um the modern yeah for, for our audience the modern f3a plane has to fit in a two by two meter box and can't weigh any more than uh five kilos plus or minus i think it was one percent compared to Back in '91, what size were they? They were 60 inch, weren't they? With a 61 two stroke. Yeah, they were. <clears throat> they were small. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could fit two models in the same box. But what did that? They were quite heavy, weren't they? Yeah, I was sort of seven and a half yeah. to eight pounds back then. Yeah. So I don't know what that is in kgs. My my um, math isn't that great, but yeah, look, they flew a lot quicker, and the models these days are easier to fly than they were back then. Radios have come forward you know the, the transmitters they don't have a big long aerial anymore you know that was the one thing i noticed 
used to pull the, the long wire out, they call it, <laughs> and uh, fly back then. But, you know, uh, you know I guess it's sort of similar, so, you know, similar, similar intent to it all. So with you coming back into it, and uh, obviously no more nitro, you're now into batteries. How did you go with the first time your batteries went flat? You know, because that would have probably caught you by surprise with a few things. Yes, it did. It did. Look, I mean, you know, I guess if you fly all your life, I guess using the throttle in a certain way, and then you, you transition across to whole new technology, then you got to get used to it, don't you? So I, mean, I was pretty hard on the batteries to start with. I did, I did name, before I was Honey Butter, I was known as the Battery Assassin. And sometimes I'm even still known as Honey Butter Battery Assassin. I get double name. Um, <laughs> in terms of uh, how I go, but that was pretty rough on the batteries to start using them like like uh, like you would with a nitro model. I did I did end up at one stage. I had um, I bought my prize and Pride and Joy, the Leader G um, from BJ Craft that had come in. Um, I was flying that out at I think it might have been Samba maybe um, late one evening. I'm there with Mark and Pete Panese. And um, I'm, I'm going hard on the battery. They're warning me, but I'm not listening because I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. And uh, run the battery flat, um, literally completely flat, so it's no longer producing any power. The, the, the model goes dead stick. I've got a biplane electric 23-inch prop dead stick. So you can imagine that's about as maximum drag as you can get in a, in a modern model. I barely make it to the bog on the side of the strip because it had been raining. It lands. It sort of sort of bellies in no damage but i'm i'm kind of breathing a sigh of relief and then if you've ever seen that movie jurassic park where like the velociraptors are coming and you can see the grass moving that was the kangaroos they were coming mate they'd, they'd seen it land and the big red kangaroo pops out it's charging at my model i'm like breathing a sigh of relief i haven't broken it then there's a new issue i've got to deal with i start charging towards this kangaroo the kangaroo's charging towards my model i barely managed to scare them away the last second and save my beautiful leader so yeah that was that was the <laughs> that's what happened when my battery went flat the first time uh yeah <laughs> so i was kind of like crocodile hunter territory that mate you know it's like um i guess stepping into my australian uh australian shoes there yeah <laughs> so something else i've heard a rumor on if you can um if you can deny or confirm so at the worlds in 91 you're flying and obviously you were flying on a full-size runway i know that because it was at wangaratta airport now that that runway is quite wide isn't it uh maybe yes. let's just see where it's you go quite with wide, this. isn't it bonzo <clears throat> It, it certainly is. So, certainly you, is. so flying a 61-inch <laughs> aeroplane, it should be quite easy to land on that runway, shouldn't it, Bones? Yeah, it, it should be. You I know, heard a, a rumour. It's, it's, not, it's not something that you. I don't believe you could easily miss. Would you say that it is so depending on weather So, we've heard that you're the... <laughs> no, no, because that's just excuses. <laughs> So we've heard that a 21-year-old who is representing New Zealand and was probably known as New Zealand's best 
tried to land on the runway, missed the runway, and hit the landing lights. Can you confirm what or not? <laughs> let's just let's just back up the truck a bit here. So first things first. <clears throat> I wouldn't I wouldn't say I was New Zealand's best at the time, but you know, again, you know, like it was a long time ago, so I honestly can't remember back that far. They did they did they did hold a briefing at that World Champs and they said whatever you do don't hit the runway landing lights. If you break the landing light you have to pay for it. I remember that in the pilot's briefing. But I also remember like you know, I didn't I didn't actually miss I didn't miss like a, a 1200 foot like 50 meter wide runway. I actually did land on the runway. I can't remember if it was a practice or a competition flight. It could have been either. But I rolled off with the camber and uh, the wing the left wing of my uh, number one model like hit the landing light and tore a giant hole in the front of it. So, you know, had to go back to the motel, that room, and and uh, repair my wing, grab out the scrap balsa and film and, <laughs> and what have you. And, 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 I, and I'm and I'm like, like at the time heavily reliant on my old man who was like, you know, Hanno had his father, I had my father. Like he he did all that shit for me, and, I, and then I was like crap you know i can't actually i gotta fix this myself so i'm sanding and i'm gluing and i'm like feathering and i'm doing all this stuff and then i realized i don't have a covering iron so now i have to find a covering iron so i'm like i'm going door to door and i'm going door to door in this motel like trying to find other competitors and luckily and like one of my heroes kike Summonzini, he's there and he he says yes you may have my covering iron so thank goodness for Kike Summerzini, he saved me. So I was able to recover my wing that night and get ready for flight number two or three or four or whatever it was and and keep going. So question on that, Steve-O. Mm. So as a young 21-year-old and you've just hit the light, as a Kiwi, did you turn around and go, oh, what do I hear you? One or two sheep, bro. Was it like that? Did you bust <laughs> the light and you had to pay for it? Or? I actually think the light survived. I think I might have come out worse from memory. I don't remember paying for a light, awesome. you know. <laughs> but anyway, look, you know, like, we all have these moments in life. So, you know, like you, you're still going to celebrate them and move on. Hopefully I won't hit a runway load at this World Champs. So, you know, that, that's a goal for me. You know, Aaron said to me, just try and do a good takeoff and a good landing, you know, so in, uh, and, and don't get any zeros. Well, take off good landing and try not hit a runway load. That's my goals for this World Champs. Well... I'll tell you now, if you hit a lot at this front, is this world's hit a runway lot, oh, I definitely won't let you live it down. Hey, mate, will I get a get a repeat offer for the uh, podcast, mate, that time? <laughs> That'll think, be good. Uh, You'll probably end up with a new name. You'll probably end up with a nickname, light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> Honey butter light so, bulb. Steve was flying to the Masters, right? Just gone at a casino. Sorry, not not the one. Just gone the one previous. And his tail wheel broke, and he was going to put a skid on his plane. And he calls me up, and he's gone, mate, I brushed my tail wheel. I was going to put a skid on there. But he goes, I could just imagine you. Hey, Sparky. <laughs> and he, all of a sudden, he had to fix it properly. He was convinced I was going to call him Sparky. Oh, I would do. It would spark as I landed. 100%. Absolutely 100%. <clears throat> yeah. Oh look, you know, I, I think it's it, it's 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 been um, it's been a lot of fun coming back into it, coming back into the whole um, pattern scene. And um, man, you know, there's a lot to learn. Everything's changed so much. But you know, like I think what hasn't changed is as good, you know, good mates like you guys around um, when you don't give me stick to, um, to support. <laughs> and uh, you know, 
when you don't give any stick to support us in the, in the, in the lead up to this big comp, you know, and then we'll see what happens after that. Look, they say you can count on your mates to give you a bit of curry, and we have definitely given you a bit of curry over the time. Um, no, but look, we, we all do wish you the best for the world's the same with Bones, and you know, we, we always want to see our mates do well. Sure. So it'll yeah. be uh, it'll be sensational. Yep, yep, hundred percent. It's um, you know, it's what is it, four and a half months away now, or something like that, I guess. And um, oh, is it just how you view it? I guess you know, like the way I look at it is, you know, you get you, you know, I suppose there's not hundreds of people competing for the position, but you still sort of carry a bit of responsibility on your shoulders. You're representing your country, so. Um, I want to try and do as well as I can, you know, and give it give it the best shot as possible, and get out there and practice hard for the next three or four months or whatever it is, and attend as many comps as I can, and we'll we'll see what happens. Who knows, you know? May do well, may do may do terribly, but um, won't be through, um, you know, won't be through lack of wondering or trying or anything like that. Yeah. Just um, I do have one question for you. Just going back a little bit is you said at the nationals you flew imac and myself being an f3a pilot and only ever doing one imac comp how did you find the imac comp compared to f3a um you know probably if you'd asked me that question back in you know when i was in my let's say first pattern career (laughs) back when i was 21 I would have thought, you know, back then I was used to view IMAC as being more difficult. You know, I remember when I was finishing up, they'd introduced this manoeuvre where you did a loop with an integrated roll across the top, and I thought, oh, that's impossible. Like, that's just, it's just not possible to do that. And now you look at IMAC, and IMAC was definitely challenging. You know, like, um, you know, Bones and Fraser certainly gave me some tips about how to do it and all these sort of quarter and three-quarter snaps and, you know, kind of like quite technically difficult manoeuvres. But then when you look at, Pattern, you know, patterns come a long way as well. You know, like the final schedule now compared to how it used to be back then is pretty challenging as well with a lot of integrated rolling maneuvers. So I don't know, you know, like I wasn't too freaked out by it, but it was, it certainly wasn't easy, you know, like, and and certainly when you look at the unlimited schedule, that definitely is challenging and would take a while to sort of work up to. So I don't know. I don't know if one's more difficult than the other. They're both equally challenging. They've both got you know components to them which are which are difficult so certainly in the in the modern day age i think they're, they're closer in complexity than they used to be if that um, answers the question because <laughs> the best i, I know mm. i know something i looked at was um imac getting the unknowns did teach the imac guys to think on their feet a lot more where f3a you're practicing the same schedule you had it for two years and and that's all you flew where you go to imac they're changing schedules every year but also on that weekend you have you have your unknown and your caller is so important for you where you have to believe in them you have to trust them where f3a I know, I know calling for yourself, you know the schedule. So I don't even have to call for you. When I call for you, it's something completely different to when I call for Mac. And 
I know with um, iMac, they they actually ask for their schedule to be called completely different. You know, I hear Bree call for Bones and it's seven-eighths of a loop and there's me, first time I ever heard that, I'm trying to do maths in my head, going, what's seven-eighths of a loop? Just, I'll pull a loop and you tell me when to stop Bones. Clearly, and he's just you... laughing at me, going. Oh, I was just going to say, clearly, haven't you guys ever like done your fractions in fourth grade when you're looking at the pizza and how many slices of pizza is seven eighths? Well, maybe you should just say like pull three, right pull, you know, what? pull seven, pull seven slices of pizza. You know, that, there's a. Oh, you've just <laughs> given me a great idea. I'll tell you a story. So we were at Tin Can at the very first IMAC comp. Bones is flying unlimited, never called a comp. And he turns around to me and goes, want to call for me? And I'm like, no, I'm right. And he goes, no, no, you call for me. I'm going, all right, eh? So I got got an arrestee, didn't even know what I was doing. And I go, oh, you got to pull... Pull a bit of bit of a loop, right? So this is what he's got. You got to pull a bit of a loop, and you've got a red triangle. And all I get back from him is little triangle or big triangle. Uh, and I'm I'm sitting in my head going, "Fuck you, fine, mate. Just it's a fifty-fifty. This one, little." And he he starts laughing, going, "Okay." So we go through this schedule, and then by the end, I've called this maneuver, and I thought I've nailed it. You fly along, you've got a little red triangle, you pull half a loop, half a roll, blah, blah, blah. And I've waffled on, and I've gone, how good was that? And he's gone, that was great, but it was backwards. (laughs) (laughs) I give up. But he done the roller, and and this reminds me of the pizza. I've gone, righto, you've got a rolling circle. So you've got four quarters of a pizza. The first quarter's in, the second quarter's out. Then you're rolling in, then you're rolling out. And all he said was, righto. Like, no no sweat, no anxiousness. It was just, righto. It's, in, it's interesting, so, you know, like, you look, at, you look at that. Like, if you, you go to the New Zealand team trials I just went to, they flew the preliminary schedules. That was it, you know, just cut off at the preliminary schedules. The, I guess the perspective mm-hmm. is, like, you got to fly the peas well to get into the final. You come to Australia, and there was a single tri- team trial in New Zealand. Come to Australia, there's multiple team trials, and we fly preliminaries and we fly finals. And the view there in Australia as well, you know, like if you you need to be a top pilot and you need to be able to fly the final schedule, which is like probably equally as complex again as the preliminaries to be able to, to go to the world champs. Then you go to America or somewhere like that, and they fly the preliminaries and the finals, and then they fly the unknowns. And the unknowns are, you know, the IMAC thing you're just talking about, Dan. So, I mean, maybe Bones probably is the best person to be able to chime in and kind of give his view. But, like, is there a place for the unknowns in a team trial? Certainly, you know, they are, they are, they set the men out from the boys. There's no doubt about that. You've got to be able to, to step up and, and fly with the, and, and Dan, as you said, mate, you know, like, with a lot of reliance on your caller, your total trust. Because your score relies on what they tell you to, to fly, you know, so. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll sort of hand over that. And, Look, and I that think total from... trust. Sorry, you go, Bones. No, you you go ahead, Dan. Well, well that total trust is, is exactly what I learned at Barossa from Mac when he'd done the cross box. 
I saw he was going too far out and I knew sometimes as a pilot, and, and I know you've got this, where you've got your tunnel vision and you're just looking at your plane, you're not looking at your depth perception, you're just worrying about nailing the manoeuvre. And I said to him, we're a bit far out. At one stage, we'll be far in. So we've done it both ways. And uh, I said, right, we're going to do a cross box. And the trust he had in me when we done it is now I understand that when you're calling an iMac unknown, you're telling him the direction, you're helping him through it, you you effectively are flying it with them and you're a team. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the caller plays a huge role. It just depends, you know, like, it, it's all personal preference. Some people... I've, I've called for people who just say stand behind me and if I say next, tell me the next manoeuvre but otherwise remain entirely silent. And then there's been where you've told them every control input in the flight and essentially you're kind of like a pseudo sort of brain for their flight. But it doesn't really matter. Like whatever whatever they require to help them through, then that's what you do. You know, it's, it is a partnership, like you say, it's just a varying degrees of involvement. What, what are you going to say, Bones? I'm just keen on to hear what you got to say Look. about... I think from my from my perspective is I with all my from the IMAX side of things every single IMAX comp that you go to you fly an unknown so it, it's something that you you brought up with when I started flying the F3A obviously people don't fly unknowns when I when I really first started getting into it uh, the idea of people flying in the F sequence was quite daunting. Now, I can see it from both sides of this. I look at it from going to a world championships. The, the average percentage of Australians and other guys that tend to get into the semifinals, because F3A is so European dominated, it really is Europe number one, USA and Japan second, and the rest of the world, well, wherever they finish, they finish. So from going to a world championships, the focus has to be the preliminary flight. You need to be on top of your P's. You have to go out there and have the ability to do a very good P. And that's a combination of obviously the ability to do the constant repetition. However, in the event that you do make a semis, you are then throwing the 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 the, the um throwing at you that righto, now you're gonna fly the F sequence. Righto, okay, now you're gonna go on. It's it's that whole nother ramp up. And then obviously, then there's the unknowns. God forbid you ever made the, the, uh, you know a top a top ten at a world championships. What I look at it from a a a, cha- a team trial side of things is, although that, and again, it, it might come across the wrong way, but the fact is, you know, the Aussies are flat out making a semi-finals. I was the first Aussie in, in almost 20 years to make a semi-finals. But it's the ability to go and fly an F makes your P seem easier. No different to going and flying an unknown makes the F easier. Because it's about pushing yourself. Each sequence, like the F above the P, pushes, your, pushes yourself. No different to the unknown. So when you're going out there and you're flying a P sequence or an F sequence in a competition, there's not the the level of daunting and feeling behind it of, you know, 
that it's the anxiousness to it. Like, yeah, we all still get the competition nervous nerves, the, the, the butterflies in the stomach, however you want to call it. However, to, to push yourself only makes the class seem easier. And I was having this conversation with a couple of other people in the last few days in the IMAX side of things. And for me, it's, it's, it's you might fly a certain class, but you always practice the class above. Because when you go to the competition and you go to fly your current sequence, it's going to be, seem easier. I understand that obviously there's a level of repetition. So I'm not saying don't practice your current flying, but don't restrict yourself by only flying that. Push yourself by flying something a little bit more different, a little bit more complex, and giving you a different perspective on it all. So that's my thoughts. You know, for me, I see it as I think that we as a... Um, as a group here in Australia can only benefit by pushing ourselves even harder in the, in the way of flying our nails, not just even flying, but also judging our nails. It's flying is one thing, but also to improve our judging is another thing. I know at the world championships, we have paid judges. However, here at local competitions and national competitions, we don't have that opportunity to be able to have paid judges out there judging us. Our judges are our peers. So the only way we're going to improve is to be out there pushing ourselves. So anyway, that, that's my little bit of two cents, and I better get off my high horse about that one. I do agree there. It, it, would be, it would be great to see some unknowns um, for F3A. It, it can be done. And I remember, um, I think it was... 2019, we were meant to be at Barossa Valley for the Masters and it got cancelled due to COVID. And at that, Barossa Valley was going to be unknowns and there was actually a few internationals and I'm pretty sure there's going to be prize money there as well. Um, so if you look back at 2019 when they were thinking about doing it, I reckon we can keep doing that and definitely moving forward. And if the F3A world aimed to try and make that top 10, that all it's going to do is improve us and improve us as a nation. I guess you've got to ask no, the question. That's my two cents as well. You've got, to, you've got to ask the question that if you do fly unknowns, even if it was the top, you know, 50% of the top 50% who make it through to the semis, you know, then is that doing any harm, you know? So as Aaron talked about, you know, like each level makes the previous level seem easier, then I don't think it hurts, certainly, to, to go out and practice a few. So I guess leading up to a World Champs, you know, my personal focus will be just focusing on the P. I mean, you know, like you acknowledge what level you're at and you and you try to do the best you can. But um, you know, it's interesting for a Masters in the future or APA Champs or something like that, whether we, we could consider flying an unknown and even one round of unknown. You know, I think, Aaron, isn't it the finals are like, uh, final schedule unknown, final schedule unknown, something like that. To... Yeah, it's correct. So you do two Fs and you do two different unknowns. Yeah, so even one unknown just might be the lead-in to, to something interesting. It's not going to hurt. So I'm certainly... Um... Yeah. Mm. Yeah, agree. Well, <laughs> we want to thank you for being our uh, first guest, it's been an Honey honor. Butter. Been an honour. Our, our first international guest. Um, I'm sure there'll be many to so, there'll be many to follow. You know, I'm sure. So, um, but you know, look, mate. If 
if you end up hitting a light cone at um, the Wells, we'll get you back on the 100%. Thank you, man. Just to talk about that. It's an honour. But no, take it easy, guys. Thanks so no, much. But, but, and, and, um, you know. but thank you very much. Cheers. Take it easy. See ya. Bye. Good luck. Cheers, mate. So we've, um, we've lost Tyson with a few technical issues. But um, we just want to thank everyone for this episode. And hopefully we'll try and get one out a little bit earlier next time. Yeah, I'd have to reiterate, Dan. Thanks again for all those uh, the messages of support and thoughts and uh, comments based on the, the first one. And as Dan said, it has been a little bit of a while, but we're going to endeavour to try to keep on top of this. And it is obviously a bit of a balance with, with us all going to many different events and doing many bits and pieces. However, I suppose... At the flip side to it, it is it does give us good content for these, the the this podcast and for us to be able to to talk about the the, the bits and pieces that happen at events and also leading on to the topics of whether it be the the funny, the easy, the hard, the difficult, and what we all believe is you know uh, giving our two cents on what we think is the best things for error modeling in a positive and proactive manner. Hundred percent. So we will probably be aiming for our next one after Geraldry. So you can hear about our amazing scale weekend. We can hear about Geraldry with the boys. Indeed. So that is going to be a massive weekend. Um, you know, I know, I know our Mexican friend Jonathan Greaves is very excited that I'm coming. So uh, it'll be great. Yeah, I think we'll, uh, who knows, we might very well end up having Jonathan on one of the next podcasts as a bit of a uh, talking point. 100%. You know, he's, um, if you don't know him, he's a great down-to-earth guy. Um, yeah, j- just like us. Just an everyday guy having a bit of fun flying planes. That's all, we, that's all we're doing. Indeed. Well, thanks, guys, for uh, listening to episode two. And uh, stay tuned. In the coming weeks, we'll have episode three with the wrap-up of Gerilda in our scout comp. Indeed. Have a good one, everyone. Stay safe and enjoy your uh, time out flying. And Tyson, even though he's he's there but he's not there, has said bye. <laughs> See you, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Aussie Style RC Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show and had a chance to crack open a cold one and share some great yarns with the boys. Keep on tinkering with those RC planes and join us again next time for more exciting RC adventures.